Well, I want you to take your Bible, turn to Haggai chapter 2, and uh, we're going to look at verse 6 through 9. Now, before I read the text, I want you to understand that the text we're about to deal with, um, if you read seven commentators, you're going to get six different interpretations. Uh, this, this text is very, very complicated text to interpret and explain. Um, but I, I want to try to take this text, put it in the context of what we looked at this morning. Because remember, you can't take it out of that context because that's, this is one message in which God gave. Okay? It's one message. Now, he begins a new message in verse 10, which we'll get to next Sunday. But it's one message in which God gave. Now, remember this morning, Israel had begun to get discouraged. Now, you say, why? Remember this morning? Because they were taking and examining the temple they were building with their hands and trying to compare it to Solomon's temple with all its gold and precious jewels and marble and everything else. And they said, it's, it's nothing like the temple of Solomon. You remember God came along and said, you're right, it's not. But it's not the gold and it's not the marble and it's not the precious stones that make God's house God's house. It's me that makes God's house God's house. His presence. And he told them, be strong, work, for I am with you. I'm not going to leave you, I am with you. And he encouraged them, continue to work. Now, when you get to verse 6, he's now going to point them to a future, actually two future events, that comes in play with the temple. Now, here's the thing. One of the things that we have to understand is from God's mindset of things, when you see Solomon's temple, Zerubbabel's temple, Herod's temple, and, and then the temple that will be built, that Christ will take his throne in the millennial reign. And, and then in between that, you have Christ who was the temple of God, and you have you and I that are the temple of God. You have to understand that God sees all this as one temple. He doesn't see them as separate temples. Now you say, why is that? Well, because, listen, his presence makes the temple. So was his presence in Solomon's temple? Was his presence in Zerubbabel's temple? Was his presence in Herod's temple? Was his presence in you and me? So in other words, God sees it as one temple. In other words, God sees it as what these of Israel were building as just being a shadow and type of what he was going to do. And so you have to understand it from that perspective to understand this text that we're going to look at. Now, I, I prayed that God would give me the words to be able to explain this, and, and, and so we're just going to trust God to do that, okay? So let's stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Look at verse number 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that... Lord, you would articulate these truths 
in a way that, Father, we could grab a hold of them and, Lord, would help us to understand that, Father, when we look through our fleshly eyes, we do not see, do not understand what you're doing or what you're preparing in the future. And, Father, we have to look through the eyes of faith and we have to see you and your character and nature and know that everything that you tell us to do, every area that we're to obey, Father, you have a divine plan and you have a divine purpose in what you ask of us. And so, Father, we're going to give you the praise for how you speak to us tonight. And, Father, I just thank you for this text and what it says about what has come and what is to come. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want us to begin by looking at the prophecy of God. The prophecy of God. When we get to verse 6, he's still dealing with Israel in their discouragement. And, and he begins to lay out to them the fact about the temple in which they are building is one of part of God's plan concerning a temple that is to come. In other words, what they're saying, what he's saying to Israel is this. Do not get your focus and your eyes on, on this, the temporal thing in which you are building. Listen, the, the temple they were building, it, what made it the temple was the presence of God. We talked about that. But listen, without the presence of God, it is just structure. And you and I need to understand that as God is, is laying this out to them, He is telling them that, listen, I'm up to something, I'm going to do something that's far beyond your understanding, but I'm telling you right now, you are participating in my divine plan that I'm going to bring about, and it all is part of my glorious will. Now, as I said this morning, you need to understand if we look and we start comparing things with past, you and I are going to get discouraged every single time. But we have to understand, we have to look at things from a future perspective and, and what God wants to do and what God desires to do. Now, Liberty, listen, I, I said this this morning, but I want, to, I want to dwell on it a little more. What God desires to do through Liberty Baptist Church is far beyond anything you and I can comprehend. And it doesn't matter what we look like from a numbers perspective after COVID. What matters is what God's going to do. Because it's, it's, it's all up to His divine plan. And, and I believe all of this that we're going through is all part of God's divine plan. I don't believe any of this is by accident. I believe it's all by the hand of God, either through allowing or through initiating. Now, this prophecy of God begins with a, the present place of God's habitation. Now, what was the present place of God's habitation? What well, was going to be this temple they're building here? Now, remember, it was Solomon's temple. Well, actually, if you want to go back, it was Adam. And that was the first dwelling place of God. And then it became the tabernacle in which God told Moses to build it. And God dwelled in, in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. Then Solomon's temple. And now this temple, Zerubbabel's temple. And, and this was going to be the present dwelling place of God. And so in other words, he, he's saying to Israel here, he says, listen, even though this is my present dwelling place, this is not my plan. This is not the fulfillment of my perfect will. There's something far greater than what you got your hands on now that I'm going to accomplish, and it's going to be so glorious and so mighty, and you're a part of everything that I'm doing. 
And so he's trying to get them to get their focus off the here and now and get their focus on the tomorrows in the future. Guys, listen. One of the hardest things for us to do, it's one thing to trust God for today. But where faith really kicks in is when you're trusting God for tomorrow and next month and next year. In other words, because listen, if I'm just trusting God for today, then here's going to be the reality of my life. If my day don't go like I think it should go, then guess what? I'm going to be disenamored with God. Even though we would never say that, that, that's going to be the truth of the matter. So what am I doing? Even if my day falls apart, what do I have to do? I have to know, God, well, listen, you're up to something. You're trying to do something. Maybe you're trying to work in me. Maybe you're trying to work in somebody else. But listen, God, I know that what you want to do through me, what you want to do by me, everything you want to do is more glorious than I could ever understand. You have to trust God for the tomorrow. And so what he's trying to get them to understand is, listen, that what I'm about to share with you goes far beyond what you're building right now. Far beyond that. And this is the present place of God's habitation. But when he gets to verse 6, he deals now with a future thing. And he deals with what I call the pure place of God's habitation. And you say, what in the world is that? Well, I believe it's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Now you say, well, how do you know this is talking about the person of the Lord Jesus? Well, I'm going to show you a passage that interprets this passage for us. And it's speaking of the person of the Lord Jesus. More specifically, what the Lord Jesus said and what he did. Now remember, he says, I'm going to shake the nations. He's dealing here with a spiritual shaking, and then he's dealing with a physical shaking. And I believe they both apply to the person of the Lord Jesus. Now remember, what happened when God gave the law? The earth shook. But what shook? Well, only the areas around Mount Sinai shook. The rest of the nations didn't shake. But what about when the Lord Jesus came as the temple of God, as the tabernacle of God, in the virgin birth of Mary, and the Lord Jesus began His earthly ministry, and the Lord Jesus began to proclaim the truth of God's Word. What happened? It shook the world. It shook the Jewish religion. They wanted to kill the guy. It shook the Gentiles up. It shook all nations up. Why? Because here's a man saying things we never heard before, saying things that are bringing us to a place of questioning all that we've ever heard. It shook up the world. And here's what God's saying to Israel. He said, listen, this tabernacle you are building, it'll be my present place of dwelling. But I've got news for you. It's just a shadow. You're just tools at my hand to point people to the reality. There's coming one. There's coming one that will be a temple unto me that will literally shake the earth. So look at this. The words of Christ shook the world. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 12. 
Now, when you turn there, I want you to keep your finger there because we're going to refer to it three different times in this message because it helps us to unpack this passage. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 25. Watch what it says. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Who's the him? The Lord. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth. In other words, when God spoke at the law of Mount Sinai, and when Jesus spoke when he became man and walked up on this earth, he said, if they refused him that spake on the earth, much more shall they not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. Whose voice then what? Shook the earth. So what is this talking about? He's saying, listen, there's coming a temple one day. It's a shadow and type of what you're building. So Israel, don't get disheartened. Don't get discouraged. Because I'm telling you, the temple that I have planned, it's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. And it's going to be mighty. And by this temple, I'm going to speak through this temple. And I'm going to bring man to a place of shaking. Why? Because those that doesn't obey the words of this temple will encounter my judgment. That's what he means, I'm going to shake all nations. What was the purpose in the law when the earth shook? Was it to build man up or was it to bring man to a place of understanding that because God is holy that they're condemned? The law was to expose man. So in other words... If the law was meant to expose man, then what did Christ come to do? Well, he came to fulfill the law, every jot and tittle. And as he fulfilled the law, then what did Christ do? Well, because he fulfilled the law, every jot and tittle, he could be our sacrifice because he was without sin. But then Christ would come and live in us. Now we would become the temple. In other words, get this picture. The temple of a living God now becomes the dwelling place in us and we become that temple. Isn't that amazing? And what's the picture? Well, the picture is those that rejected Christ, the words of Christ, would be shaken to the foundation of destruction. But those that would receive this temple that God has, this pure habitation that God would have in Christ Jesus, what would have happened? They will remain. They will not be shaken. Now, I'll show you that more in just a minute. But here's what I'm trying to say. Verse 6 is saying that Christ, because this is a messianic passage, but verse 6 is saying that Christ literally will be the center of all that God does. Everything revolves around the person of the Lord Jesus. Everything. Now, so, notice not only the words of Christ shook the world, but the willingness of Christ shook the world. And you say, what do you mean? Well, Christ willingly, in obedience to his Father, died. Took our sin upon himself and died. Now, remember, I said it spoke of a spiritual shaking and a physical shaking. Notice verse 6 real close. It says once in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. 
and I will shake all nations. So the nations are the spiritual. What about the physical, the dry land, the earth, the sea? Well, what happened when Christ died? The earth shook. What happened when Christ arose? The earth shook. So what is he saying? He said, listen, he said, Israel, understand, don't be discouraged because, listen, you think that I don't have favor on this thing, this temple because it don't look like Solomon's. I got news for you. This is just as I planned it to be. This is just as I designed it to be because this is just a shadow and a type of a temple that is yet to come that literally by the words in which he says and by the willingness in which he gives his life, literally, spiritually, and physically, will shake all nations and shake this world. Now, here's the reality, folks. The reality is this. That if we would understand that no matter what we see with our physical eyes, God has a greater plan than what we can see with our physical eyes. I I wished that I could let you in on the multiple conversations I have every week with pastors who call me and begin to ask me questions about, you know, Brother Mac, what do you think? Will we ever get back to normal? Some churches running 30, 35, 40% of what they ran before COVID. Some churches running 50, 60% of what they were before COVID. A lot of it depends on the demographic of the congregation. But here, here's the reality. What I'm hearing from pastors, and I'm going to be honest with you, I went through myself for several weeks, is bewilderment, confusion. Can I tell you the unknown? If you're not walking by faith, it will drive you crazy. But where God's had to bring me to is this. No matter what happens, next week, next month, next year, God has a plan that's far greater than I can ever understand. And God's doing a work, even though we may not physically see that work being done. And listen, I I really believe this with all my heart. I believe God's doing this work in personal, individual people. Why? Because listen, the judgment has to begin in the house of God. And so if God does a work in individuals, what happens eventually? It'll pour over into the corporate work. And so what he's trying to get Israel to understand is, listen, there is something yet to come that's far greater than what you are working on now. But all this has to happen to pave the way for what is yet to come. And folks, I believe that's where we are as a church family. I really do. Now, let me show you not only this pure place of God's habitation, but then he takes a step further, past the birth and the, 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 the humanity of the Lord Jesus. And now he goes to the permanent place of God's habitation. 
Look with me at verse 7. He says, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. What's that referring to? It's referring to the work that God's got to do to pave the way for the millennial kingdom. Now, listen, as I said, you read seven commentators, you're going to get six different answers. So let me show you why I fall on what I fall on. Look at verse 7 with me real quick. And I will. Who's the I will? God will. Y'all see that? Say amen. And I will shake nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house. Now, the way it reads in the Hebrew, as I can read it, is this. I will, and the desire of all nations shall come, and that one that comes will fill this house with glory. Now you say, well, wait a minute, preacher. Are you saying the desire of all nations is Christ? I'm saying the desire of all nations is for a deliverer, even if they don't know who that deliverer is. And you say, well, preacher, I don't agree with that. Well, think about it. What, how come the Antichrist comes to such great power if, if people are not looking for a deliverer? So I believe this is speaking of Christ. Now, let me take you through a few things, and we know this from Hebrews 12. So let me take you through a few things. The first thing we find here, this shaking of nations, has to do with the removing work of God. In other words, for God to pave the way that Christ would come, set up His throne in the temple of the millennial reign, which would be, listen, the, the, the glorious permanent picture of what Israel is doing right here. In order for that to happen, God's got to remove some things before it can ever happen. Because, listen, nothing unholy will be part of that kingdom. So God's got to remove some things. Now, let me show that to you in the Bible. Turn with me back to Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 26. Notice what he says. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more signifying the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made. So in other words, what's going to be shaken? Everything that's natural, everything that's temporal, everything that's not supernatural. In other words, here's what God's going to do before Christ comes and takes His residence up on the throne of David in the millennial reign. God's going to take out and remove everything that's natural. And the only thing that will be left is the supernatural work of a holy God. And this... This is the removing work. Now listen. Now I'm going to make a strong statement. I know some people are going to disagree with this, but that's okay. You have a right to be wrong. Y'all say amen. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I want you to listen to this statement. I believe God's already starting to tear down the scaffold. I believe God's already starting to sit. I believe what we're going through today, listen to me. I believe what we're going through today in the divine providential plan of God is laying the groundwork for what's coming. And I want to tell you, I believe the next event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. I really do.
But there has to be this removing work, the shaking of the nations. Now notice the returning work of God. And the desire of all nations shall come. Remember what Simeon, y'all remember Simeon in Luke's gospel? Simeon, what did he desire all of his life? To see the Messiah. He said, as long as I can see the Messiah, I'll die. And you remember what happened in the providence of God? Simeon was doing his priestly duty on that day in the temple that Mary came for the ceremonial cleansing. Y'all remember that? And boy, isn't God amazing that the one man of that generation that was crying out, I just want to see God and die. I want to see the Messiah and die. That man is the one that happened to be on duty at that moment that Mary brought Christ. You think that's by accident? And what happened? Simeon saw the Lord. And he said, Lord, I'm ready to go. I've seen the anointing. I'm ready. But listen to what Simeon said. Because I think it fits. He says this of this child, Christ. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to the people of Israel. Why did he include both? He was Jewish. Jews view Gentiles as what? Dogs. What's all nations? Gentile and Jews. So what Simeon said, this child is a light to the Gentiles and the glory of the Jews. As I said a minute ago, I want to say it again. Everybody's looking for a deliverer even though they don't know what they really need. Let me give you an example. When the Lord Jesus come and walked upon this earth for 33 and a half years, why did Israel reject him? He wasn't the deliverer they were looking for. They were looking for one, but it wasn't Christ. You, you say, well, it was Christ, but in their minds it wasn't Christ. And you say, why didn't they see Christ as their deliverer? Because they were looking for a man to come as a royal king and a royal way to deliver them from Roman oppression. They were looking for somebody to deliver them from the physical when Christ really came to deliver them from the spiritual. But they were looking for someone. And so what is the returning work of Christ, of, of God? When Christ comes in His second coming, not in His rapture, in His second coming, Christ, the only deliverer, will take his seat at the throne of David. And listen, the glory of God in the person of Christ will fill his house. Isn't that going to be good? And by the way, just in case you forget, if you're saved, you come with him. You see, that's what this is dealing with. Now, let me show you, lastly, the remaining work of God. The remaining work of God. So if the glory, if God's glory fills the house, then would it be safe to say that it wasn't shaken and removed? 
Let me show you two things that will not be removed. Number one, the supernatural will not be shaken. You remember we read in Hebrews that it says that those things that were made, physically made, will be removed, be shaken, be taken away. But go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at the bottom of verse 27. Well, let's just read verse 27 again. And this word, yet once more signifying the removing of those things that are shaken as the things that were made, that those things which cannot be shaken may what? Remain. What's those things that cannot be shaken? Whatever is supernaturally brought forth by the Lord. Let me ask you a question. If you and I were saved by our doing, would it be supernatural or temporal? I remember a story D.L. Moody told one time. He was baptizing in a lake, and he had his congregation there, and he was baptizing many, many people. They hadn't baptized in a long time, had several people get the Lord saved, and he was baptizing several people. And, and, and when, he was, when he was about done, this, this man walks up to him drunk, and he said, Mr. Moody, Mr. Moody, you remember me, Mr. Moody? Mr. Moody looked at him and said, no, sir, I don't. He said, you don't remember me? You saved me two years ago. Mr. Moody said, yeah, you look like somebody I saved. <laughs> Temporal, but supernatural, will not be shaken, not be removed. Isn't God good? So what does that mean? Well, if you've been saved by grace, then guess what? You're going to stick. And it don't matter what God brings. Look at verse 27 of Hebrews again. Those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 27, verse 28. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be what? Moved or shaken. So what did we receive? A kingdom. I thought I received salvation. You did. What else did you receive? Well, in your salvation, it's a kingdom. Why? Because in salvation, you were brought into his kingdom, and he's the head of the kingdom. He's the king of the kingdom. And listen, I have people telling me all the time, well, kingdom principles is only for the Jews. i got news for you. He's writing here to believers in this part of this passage. And he's saying to the, you as believers, you've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, cannot be moved. Let me tell you why. You are eternally set for all eternity because you're in a kingdom and Christ is the head. And the only way you can be taken out is if Christ was taken out. He is our everything. He goes on to say in this passage, let us have grace whereby that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for God is a consuming fire. So if I'm part of a kingdom that cannot be moved, then in discouragement, what's my hope? Do I lay my hammer down? Or do I continue to serve Him in godly fear? Why? Because if I'm in a kingdom that cannot be moved, then let me ask you a question. What can touch you unless God allows it? This would be good for something our world needs to hear. Well, not only the supernatural will not be shaken, the splendor 
will not be shaken. You say, what do you mean? He says, I will fill this house with glory. Who's the glory? Christ. I will fill this house with glory. God's glory will never ever be taken away. Now listen. The glory of Solomon's temple was the Shekinah glory, God's presence. The glory of Zerubbabel's temple would be the Shekinah glory, God's presence. The glory of Herod's temple. The glory of you and I is the temple. So who's the glory of God? It's a person. It's Christ. So what makes you glorious? His son. Now listen to me. Without Christ, you can do nothing to bring glory to God. Christ is the only hope of glory. I don't care how religious, I don't care how dedicated, I don't care how committed. I don't care how much you give, how much you don't give. I don't care how much you do or don't do. You can never bring glory to God without Christ. Christ is the only glory God accepts. So he says, Israel, keep working. Why? Because I got news for you. There's coming a place, be a permanent place in which I'll fill with my glory because my son will sit and rule and reign. You see, Israel, I'm doing a work you can't see, but you're a part of it. If you'll just trust me. If you'll just trust me. Well, let's look. That's all the first point. Y'all ready for the rest of the message? Say amen. Secondly, the provision of God. Look at verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, here's what he's telling Israel. He said, Israel, with all this that I've said, if your mind's still on the gold of Solomon's temple and the silver of Solomon's temple and the precious jewels of Solomon's temple, he said, let me take the load off of you. He said, I own it all. And if I want that to be in this temple... And then here's what I'll do. I'll raise up people that'll bring it by the droves. Don't fret over what you don't have. Trust me that I'll give you whatever I design and you need. Does that make sense? Say amen. Then he deals thirdly with the promise of God. Watch what he says. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. So let me ask you, if God sees all the temples as one temple, just a progressive work, God pointing and moving towards the permanent temple being the dwelling place of Christ in the millennial reign, By the way, you and I as temples, we're temporal. 
as far as the physical goes, but we're eternal as far as the spiritual goes. But can I tell you, there's coming a day where the shell of this temple will lay down. But see, there's coming a temple that will never lay down. And so here's what he says. With all the glory that you saw in Solomon's temple, and with all the glory you're going to see in this temple you're building, he said, Israel, hang on to this. There's a glory coming that'll far outweigh the glory you've already seen and the glory you're going to see. Liberty, do you trust God that whatever he's doing through all this that's going on in our personal lives and our corporate life, do you trust God that he's going to bring a weight of glory out of this far greater than he's ever been before? You say, well, preacher, I look at what's going on and I look at what my life is right now because of all this and I just don't like it. I don't like Listen, folks, in my humanity, I don't like it. If you don't believe me, ask Mike. I, I've been his ear multiple times. And Howie, too. <laughs> Bless their hearts. But here's the reality. There's going to be a greater glory out of all this. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I know it's going to be glorious. One last thing, the peace of God. Watch what he says. And from this place, I will give what? What's the millennial reign going to be like? Is there going to be strife? Is there going to be contention? Is there going to be bitterness? No, it says a lion will lay down with a lamb. Be perfect peace. So Israel, I know you're discouraged. I know you don't understand what I'm up to and what I'm doing. I know that. I know that you only have the ability to look through your eye gates and you're seeing a temple that just doesn't look good in comparison with Solomon's. But Israel, be strong. Continue the work. For I am with you. And know this. The permanence of this temple that you're building will be a temple that my son will fill with my glory. And in that temple... Israel, you're not going to have to worry about the Samaritans. You're not going to have to fear your circumstances. You're not going to have to worry about what you don't have or what it looks like. In that temple, it'll be perfect peace. Perfect peace. I don't know about you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Father, I stand amazed at who you are. I stand amazed at your glory and your presence. I stand amazed at your provision. I stand amazed that you continue to do things 
And Father, that all that's going on are just, just pawns in your hands, in which you're moving the chess pieces of the, this life into a perfect ending. And there's coming a day when our flesh will be dealt with, our enemy will be dealt with, sin will be dealt with in its finality. As your word says in 1 John chapter 3, we will be made like Christ. Won't have to deal with this old flesh and won't have to deal with sin anymore. And we'll enter into a permanent temple that is filled with your glory because your glory is your Son. And as He rules and reigns, we'll rule and reign with Him. My, what a day that's going to be. So, Father, whatever you ask of us in this day that we live, let us always see it as it's just a precursor of something more glorious than we could ever know. And I'll thank you and I'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. And all God's children said,